today on the Wager Pager podcast. Two more mobile sports betting apps launched in New Jersey will tell you how you can place a sports bet right from your phone in the Garden State. A new report released says that U.S. sports gambling market could be worth $2.3 billion to the NFL on an annual basis. And FS1 announces they're entering into the sports gambling media space. And we have a really cool interview with Whale Capper. He's one of our favorite sports betting podcasters, the co-host of Deep Dive with Andy and the Whale. Whale spoke with us about the importance of situational handicapping. He walks us through his NFL schedule matrix, and he gives us some spots to look at for Week 1 NFL. And finally, former Marist College defensive back Jim Dice Rulin joins us once again to make our picks for Week 1 NFL and Week 2 college football. Get pumped, get psyched. It's the Wager Pager Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Wager Pager podcast, where we talk about everything in the world of legalized sports betting and give out picks and analysis. I am your host, Chris Rogers. You can follow me on Twitter, at the Wager Pager. I'm here with my co-host and lovely girlfriend, Mercedes Barba. And I'm sorry, babe, we are spending the next five months worth of weekends indoors <laughs> watching football. Well, I'm okay with that. Hey guys, that's right, Mercedes Barba here. You guys can follow me on Twitter, at Mercedes Bianca. All right, so let's dive into this week. Two new mobile sports betting apps launched a soft launch of their mobile betting apps in New Jersey over the last week. FanDuel and William Hill both released their apps after receiving authorization for a five-day testing period by the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement. According to SportsHandle.com, editor-in-chief Brett Smiley was able to deposit money and observe the sports web platform, but he couldn't download the mobile app at that time. I, though, was able to download the mobile app on my iPhone tonight, but was unable to deposit money. I actually got an error message that said my bank, quote, didn't approve the transaction. But FanDuel told me that I could still use my same debit card, credit card, to deposit money into something that they called the FanDuel prepaid card, um, which had no associated fees. So... I tried it and it was successful. As far as withdrawal, you guys can actually get a check and withdraw your funds and that will be sent to your home address or you can get an e-check. All you need is a state, military, or driver's license ID and a routing and a checking number and you can withdraw your funds from there. Um, Also, you can withdraw your funds through PayPal. You just have to link your PayPal account. And finally, you can get it back on a FanDuel prepaid card, which is that card that we use to deposit money. So the William Hill app isn't available on iPhones yet. It's just available for Android for now. So Chris, what did you think about the app when you used it? Very cool, very cool. looks like we finally have a decent option to play some mobile sports bet. Um, I was checking out the lines. They uh, are pretty much industry standard, the odds. Um, Some of the numbers on the spreads are a little off, but that's the same way they do it over at the brick and mortar fan duel, so I'm not surprised. There were definitely a lot of props. Which player is going to score the first touchdown and all kinds of stuff like that so yeah i'm excited to use it probably gonna deposit some money tomorrow yeah very cool we'll see how it works we'll keep you guys posted and updated on all that stuff so switching gears here nielsen released a report that says sports betting could be worth billions to the nfl actually 2.3 billion dollars and it's all according to espn this report was commissioned by the american gaming association which is a group that represents the gaming business it says that these projections are based on surveys from fans Nielsen expects that gambling on the NFL will up media right fees by 18%, sponsorship by 7%, and ticket sales by 6%. This is all, of course, pending. The sports gambling market is, quote, fully mature, which could take a long time, according to ESPN. Very cool. 
Fox Sports 1 launches its first ever sports gambling show called Lock It In. The show is set to launch September 10th with hosts Rachel Bonetta and cousin Sal Iacono of Jimmy Kimmel Live fame. He also hosts the Ringer Podcast Network gambling podcast called Against All Odds. They will be joined by Clay Travis and odds maker Todd Furman, who co-founded the betting podcast Bet the Board, which is also one of my favorites and has the yep. coolest introduction <laughs> song going. Lock It In will air from 3.30 to 4.30 p.m. Eastern on FS1. Cool. All right, guys, we're excited to bring you a really cool interview with one of our favorite personalities from the sports gambling Twitterverse, Whale Capper. What's up, guys? We are excited to welcome on the show, fresh off his appearance at the International Sports Betting Conference in Las Vegas, one of our favorite sports betting podcasters, the co-host of Deep Dive with Andy and the Whale, Whale Capper. Hey, Whale, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the Wager Pager. Oh, I'm happy to be here. I can't wait to talk about football today. I'm super excited. What's going on, man? You ready for some NFL football? Yeah, man. It's been a long time. It's uh, at long last. Week one is here. It's... uh, arguably one of my favorite weekends of the whole calendar year. Right on, dude. So uh, for those who aren't familiar with you, why don't you tell us a little bit about the content you produce and how you got into this business of handicapping sports? Oh, sure. So uh, almost everything that you can, that you're, that uh, I come up with, I post on Twitter. And uh, yeah, we, uh, I kind of got the the feel um, a handful of years ago that uh, if I wanted to try to learn more about handicapping, I really needed to build a social network to kind of, you know, find find people who uh, had different approaches and used different handicapping angles and different handicapping modeling tools, uh, and Twitter was a great way to do that. So I started posting my picks for free. I met lots of great people. I've learned lots of, of important stuff, and uh, it's made me a better handicapper for it all. And um you know, last year, my friend Andy and I decided, hey, let's uh, let's start recording a podcast. We'll talk through why we like certain angles um, on every NFL game. And uh, it, I felt like going through that process and, and kind of having to make a formal case, you know, and recording it and giving it to the world, you know, made, made me, you know, find sharper uh, positions uh, and, again, kind of help improve my handicap. Right on. You definitely have built yourself uh, some following. We're big fans of it. I know you're big on situational handicapping, as am I. Why don't you tell the audience, like in your own words, what is situational handicapping and why do you feel it is an important technique to utilize? It's pretty straightforward from my standpoint. The NFL season, there's only so many games. You only have 16 games for 32 teams. That small sample size is becomes problematic because... If you're going to do some sort of modeling approach, if you're going to use some sort of, um, you know, analytical algorithm or something like that to try to predict scores, then if you're just predicting baseline scores, you're going to have lots of instances where things don't go right. And they don't, you know, you're, you're going to have um, lots of games where, you know, t- some team way underperforms and way overperforms. And just because there's so few games, if you're ignoring situations in that handicapping process, then you are going to, you know, you're not going to be as successful. It's just going to be much tougher to win long-term. And so situational uh, handicapping is kind of that exactly, which is, you know, you have team team A in a bad situation, team B in a good situation in the same game, uh, and by making the right adjustments for those situations, you find an edge on the handy, you know, on the line, on the spreader, 
uh, or on the money line uh, that supports backing Team A. So that situational handicapping schedule matrix that you put out is unbelievable. Um, if you guys missed it, the, the whale tweeted out this spreadsheet that like basically maps out every possible situation that every single NFL team will encounter during the whole schedule this year. Whale, why don't you walk us through how it works? So, yeah, so the um, underlying all of this is basically over the course of 16 games, a team is going to perform about to their average uh, 10 times. They're going to perform way better than they expected three times, and they're going to perform way worse than expected three times. And so the trick when you look at the schedule is kind of going through and trying to kind of find the right matches for good and bad performances and great you know, there's great reasons that sometimes a team will way underperform. Uh, it could be because they're at a rest disadvantage. It can be because they have difficult travel that's influencing their performance. It could be because of just a motivational factor. Like they, they could be in between two games that are much more meaningful and uh, they may not bring their A game uh, in a, into a game where they're expecting to win easily. And so if you kind of look down any given team schedule, uh, before the season starts, you can start to feel out um, spots where a team will over and underperform, and that kind of gives you two things. One, when you get to that spot during the regular season and you're handicapping that particular matchup, you can account for it, and you can presumably get uh, a more reasonable projection of the outcome. Uh, and two, if you can kind of see where the bad spots fall, over the course of the season, you can set yourself up so that you can potentially find value on teams that are good that just happen to be playing poorly, right? And great, you know, great example is you know last year the Eagles lose, you know, Carson Wentz to an injury. They play poorly for a couple games in a row, and the value on them went like through the roof. And you right. can, you know, that, that of course that was specifically injury based, but you know the other opposite way was true where. The Chiefs went to out to like a five and zero or something start. Everybody was like, "Wow, they're the best team in the AFC." They beat the Patriots. They beat the you know they beat the Eagles. This team is legit, uh, and that presented value on basically every other AFC team, including the Patriots. Ironically, so right. you know you you can if you can kind of look across the whole season and find like clusters of bad or good games, then you can you know take futures positions on or against certain teams at certain times. Uh, that then, you know, when the season comes to the end, you just happen to get the best number on a bunch of teams, then you don't necessarily have to worry about questions like hedging and things like that because presumably you're covered on a lot of bases. Wow. This is like mind-blowing stuff, guys. We're, we're going to include a link to this in, uh, in the description of the show. But the matrix that the whale has here is like color-coded. It has 11 different categories. It's just mind-blowing. Some, some of the weeks have like three different categories all happening at once. It's just crazy. Well, like, have you done this in past seasons, and what kind of work goes into putting this together? Oh, well, it's just, uh, it's like a huge element of my off-season prep, really, and um, this is the third season that I've done it this systematically and posted it on Twitter. It's definitely improved my performance. Like, having this in my back pocket and using these angles week in, week out, has I have done better. Uh, I'm less susceptible to uh uncertainty and luck and things like that on a week-by-week basis in my mind at least so why don't we just look ahead at, at week one what are your some of your favorite situational plays that are on the board 
Oh, so week one is interesting uh, because presumably motivation isn't an issue, right? I mean, if you're, you know, if, if you're coming to play week one and you can't get up for that game, like find another job. So a lot of what would otherwise be situational factors that come into play over the grind of the season aren't really in play for week one. Um, there's a couple I do care about a lot. Teams that play in, like, you know, they do their training camp in relatively cool weather or moderate weather, I'll say, uh, and then go to Florida, usually struggle mightily in the second half. Like, they just, their legs die because they're playing in the heat and humidity that, that, that they're just not in shape for. Like, teams, like, in general, football players, like, with the preseason shortened, with off-season minicamp and training programs shortened, these guys don't really get into game shape until a couple weeks into the season. And so a lot of the early in the season angles are like they're just not fit yet they're you know they're not 100% yet and teams that go to elevation or go play in Florida usually you see them underperform in week 1 uh that comes into play for Seattle this week Seattle's in an absolutely terrible position not only do they have to go to elevation early in the season but because they're out of conference it's not like they've done it before right so they're going to have to go play at the mile high uh, and you know, put you know, play you know, three-hour game, and they're going to be you know, they're going to be gassed in the second half. So I worry about them uh, competing. I wouldn't back them, <laughs> you know, for anything. The other, the other angle that I didn't put on the schedule matrix, but it's in the back of my, it's in my arsenal, it's in my toolbox for week one, is um, whether the game is being played indoors or outdoors. And this again kind of falls into the category of um, guys being fit. And okay. You know, when they're playing indoors and you're in a temperature controlled environment and you're on an, you're on an artificial surface, uh, your offenses perform more effectively. And, and this is pretty consistent throughout the years, week one. And so you have a couple of games like I'm looking at, for instance, um, the Cardinals and the uh, Redskins game being played indoors in Arizona. Uh, that to me looks like a high scoring game. So I'm going to be on the over. And a lot of that is born out of the fact that I'm expecting relatively uh, effective offense in that, you know, on that field in that stadium. Uh, I could make a case for a, a bunch of the indoor games, I guess, but uh, the only ones I'm actually betting are the over in that Cardinals game. Oh yeah, the uh, Monday night game, Detroit against the uh, the Jets. That's another one with the uh, fast field indoors, prime time. I think you're going to see a healthy amount of points in that game. Uh, and then the flip side, if a game's being played on a grass field and you have one or both teams that are kind of, you know. That in the case of the Thursday night game where you have the uh, the Atlanta Falcons, which is a team that's built to perform in a dome on a fast turf, you have them playing outdoors, Philadelphia. That, to me, is an underlook just based on the uh, the likely field conditions. And then uh, the Sunday night football game with uh, the Packers at the Bears. I think you're talking about two teams right there that have defenses that are better than people realize. It's going to be played on the outdoor at Lambeau Field, typically a low-scoring uh, low scoring venue early in the season. So, uh, field conditions matter early in the season and I would, uh, I would definitely make sure you account for that in your handicap if you're betting totals week one and week two. We're definitely going to keep our eyes on those plays coming up this week. Once again, very interesting stuff from Whale Capper. That's at whale underscore capper on Twitter. Co-host of the Deep Dive with Andy and the Whale. Thanks so much, man. We'll let you go. I know you're out there grinding, uh, looking for some winners. <laughs> hey, thanks, and best of luck this season, and appreciate you having me on.
What's up, guys? NFL Week 1 is here, and we are happy to welcome back into studio former Marist College defensive back and my gambling buddy, Jim Dice Rulin. What's up, brother? What's up, my friend? Uh, so excited the NFL season is upon us, and uh, let's talk more football. Let's go, my friend. Right on. Let's do this. We're uh, coming off of college football week one. Uh, we didn't do as well as we would have liked to, but at least we're not losing. I went 5-5 five and five and uh, a loss on my money line play, and Jim went 3-3 three and three and a win on his money line play. Yeah, so, you know, it was a, a good start of the week. Obviously, we'd prefer to be out on top, but I'd much rather be even than down. So uh, let's go for week two now. You hit on Hawaii, who's arguably uh, the surprise team of the season, so I was loving that play. Yeah, dude. You know, they're right now they're hot, so let's see uh, if they can keep it up. Yeah, I wish I tailed you on that. Uh, my weekend wasn't looking too good until I hit uh, LSU Sunday night and then Virginia Tech Monday night. Kind of really saved my weekend there. But uh, let's do this. We're, we're doing uh, college football weekend two and NFL week one. Let's dive right in. So for my first game of the week, uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with Liberty. Uh, you know, Turner Gill, old uh, Kansas coach, I think he's trying to create a program over there uh, against Army. Army just didn't look a little bit sluggish. Uh, right now, Liberty's getting nine and a half in Army. So I just like the fact that I don't think Liberty's going to win this one, but I think, you know, uh, Liberty will keep it close. And really, Army is all about, you know, time of possession. They don't really score a lot too much. So um, I think nine and a half points is just a little too much to uh, give uh, two teams that might be uh, closely evenly matched. Yeah, the Flames, dude. I, let's see if they can keep it rolling. It looks like a lot of people are betting on them. Hopefully they're not a little bit of a public darling at this point. Yeah, no, I agree. But, uh, I, I mean, I think, uh, like I said, I think Turner Gill's got something good going and this is Liberty's first year and really playing a full slate of uh, D1 schools. So uh, I, I think they're in the, the right direction. All right, cool. Uh, the first game I'm looking at here, college football, is a 12 p.m. game on Saturday. I'm looking at the Nevada Wolfpack. They're playing uh, Vanderbilt. Yeah, it opened at seven. It opened at seven and a half. Um, it's already moved to eight and a half. But the funny thing is there's a lot of money on that side. So uh, to me, it looks like a little bit of reverse line movement um, on Action Network. 66% of the tickets are written for Nevada, but 78% of the money is going that way. So um, I saw their quarterback, Ty Ganji, senior play last week. He looked great. He's a big athletic dude. He can move. Um, he has a really nice long ball. I saw him connect like two or three times on that. They hung 72 points on Portland State last week. So I don't think they had, a, you know, they didn't give him much of a battle. I also think Vanderbilt could be looking ahead to Notre Dame. They play next week in South Bend, so it's a little bit of a situational play. No, I think that's a good call. Uh, when you got a big opponent uh, that they're trying to get ready for, they're going to try to use two weeks rather than the one week, so, so I think that's a good call out. For me, my uh, second game that I'm looking at, uh, I'm liking uh, South Florida against Georgia Tech, uh, also a 12 o'clock game on Saturday. Uh, this is their first meeting ever, uh, but I just like the fact that South Florida just breeds talent from the Florida uh, pool of players. Uh, and you got Charlie Strong over there. You know, uh, Charlie Strong is a good coach. Uh, and I just think that, you know, uh, three points to give that team in Georgia Tech doesn't really score too much. But uh, I like Florida, you know, South Florida to uh, potentially win that. But I think they should be able to cover 
uh, getting three points. <laughs> Dude, uh, great minds think alike. That's also my second game. I think uh, South South Florida is even at like plus three and a half in some places. Um, they're going to be playing down in Tampa on the grass field. I assume it's going to be really fucking hot down there. Um, this line opened at two, so it's moved a point to a point and a half in our favor. Um, South Florida's quarterback, Blake Barnett, he can also move a little. He has a, a really big target in number eight, Tyra, uh, Tyree McCants. He's 5'11", 216, just a freaking load. And USF beat Illinois last year. They've won uh, three out of their last four versus non-conference FBS foes. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Georgia Tech was off to a last week to a cupcake win, 41-0 versus Al- Alcorn State. USF, uh, another cupcake, cupcake win for them as well, 34-14 versus Elon. So, I mean, this totals at 62.5 to 63 points. I look for an evenly matched, high-scoring game that USF probably covers, and I agree, maybe even wins outright. Yeah, and it looks like, uh, according to Action Network, uh, most of the money and bets are on Georgia Tech, so I know that's a play that we typically like to go against the trend. So what's the third game you got, Chris, then? Um, all right, skipping ahead. I'm looking at a night game in the 7.30 p.m. slot. I like the Northern Illinois Huskies, plus 10, versus Utah. They're at home. It's a home dog. Northern Illinois got blown out last week by Iowa. But uh, Utah also blew out Weber State, 41 to 10. Um, I think this could be like a classic case of overreactions. You know, Northern Illinois probably is not as bad as they looked, and Utah is probably not as good as they looked. I think uh, QB Marcus Childers looked a little shaky last week on opening week, but I'm looking for a bounce back performance from him. And uh, last year, NIU took Boston College into the fourth quarter at a, in a tie game. So. This is also another spot where I'm thinking Utah could be looking ahead because they're playing Washington next week. So another little uh, situational play. Gotcha. No, I can uh, I can see that happening. So uh, for me, uh, I my third game, uh, eight o'clock game on Saturday. I'm gonna take uh, Penn State, given nine points. I think the the public is like, oh my God, they almost lost uh, Appalachian State. Uh, you know, so I think right. this line right. is actually. Uh, not enough. I think they probably might need to be a two-touchdown t- uh, favorite. But, you know, nine points, uh, in-state rivalry. Penn State could have easily been looking at Pitt as really their first game of the season, and that's why they almost got upset by Appalachian State. So uh, just for that fact, uh, I-, I think the public is overreacting a little bit, and so I'm going to take Penn State, and I'm going to give up the nine points to get against Pitt. I like that play. I really like that play, dude. That game was nuts last week, too, overtime. All right, moving on. Uh, My last, my final final play of our college football four-pack here. I like USC. USC um, in Stanford. Yeah, it's in Palo Alto. It's an 8.30 p.m. game. Tons of public money on Stanford. According to Covers.com, 81% of the money is going towards the Cardinal. 19% 19% for the Trojans. Um, you know, similar numbers over on Action Network. But this line opened at four, and it's, you know, it's already been bet up to five and a half, so we got a point and a half going in our favor. I really like true freshman quarterback JT Daniels. Um, he looked pretty strong last week. And to be honest, Stanford looked sluggish in the first half for San Diego State. I don't know if you watched that game. I had a couple bucks on it, so I was definitely tuning in. I think there's value here on USC because uh, 
that's that final score in the Stanford game looks like a blowout, but it really didn't happen that way. Like I said, SDSU looked great in the first half. Stanford's wide receiver, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, did have a field day, but I feel like K.J. Costello, the uh, Stanford quarterback, was just tossing it up there. And this guy was just a man amongst boys just going up for it. I don't know if he's really that accurate. The Heisman candidate running back, Bryce Love, was held to under 50 yards rushing. So, I don't know. I, I really like USC in this spot. Plus 180 on the money line. Maybe sprinkle that, too. Uh, I, I think this is a game that could probably potentially determine uh, the Pac-12 winner. You know, uh, with both these teams can be considered the the top dogs, especially with Arizona losing. So now it's kind of more, I think, Stanford's to win and, and USC to kind of maybe play uh, the dark horse and, and, and take that spot. So I, I do like that, that, that matchup and uh, USC to probably maybe win that game. I No doubt. Uh, what's your last play here in college? All right, for my fourth game, I'm going to stay with the hot team. We mentioned them earlier in the, the, the cast today. Uh, I'm going to take Hawaii at home, giving 17 points. I normally don't like to do that. Uh, but right now, like I think you said, I think right now Hawaii is one of the um, surprise uh, teams of the year. you got Colt McDonald, the number one QB in the nation with the most uh, passing yards and uh, touchdowns in two games. No interceptions. I believe he's got nine touchdowns to no interceptions. Uh, both games, they've been double-digit dogs with both outright wins. Uh, and now they take on a, a Rice team that's just really kind of just struggling just to kind of find themselves. So factor in that they got to fly to Hawaii, uh, play on a later time uh, time zone. Uh, and Hawaii is just riding high right now, and, and they're looking to be 3-0 and and potentially just, uh, you know, put up some points with that uh, West Coast offense that they got running, o- running over there. So um, I'm going to take a gamble on this one and definitely uh, – Give up 17 points, more than I'd like, but I think Hawaii is the hot team right now. Yeah, I'm feeling the Hawaii vibe. I love that quarterback with the dreadlocks. <laughs> yeah, dude, so um, what about, is there anything else, like, so those are our official plays. Anything else that catches your eyes? Maybe we get on a hot streak, Some something you might put in as an additional play? Yeah, some other games. Uh, I'll give you three of them that I kind of was looking at. Um, I was liking Northwestern at home against Duke. Uh, Northwestern's giving a field goal. Um, I just think Northwestern is just a strong team. Uh, I know Duke is up and coming. Uh, they're not like the Duke of like the late, you know, 90s and early uh, 2000 where they're just kind of one or two win teams. They definitely have an up and coming program. But I think at home in that stadium, three points, I just think they should be able to cover that uh, Northwestern, that is. Uh, another game that I liked, I like Iowa also at home, uh, minus four against Iowa State, in state rival. Um, Kurt Frentz, uh typically has a, a solid team. I, I just think that might be a little too uh, too little of a spread for Iowa State, you know. So uh, I like Iowa, um, also a home favorite uh, against in-state rival. And then a third game uh, I was looking at uh, was FIU against Old D. Uh, Old Dominion is home. Um, oh, excuse me, I believe uh, FIU Love that. is home. Um, I like I mean, FIU too. Yeah, I, yeah, and it, it started off at negative one, so um, I probably would have played money line anyways. So, uh, but yeah, I think just Florida, just uh, international, just has much better talented players than Old D. And I think the fact that Old Dominion lost to Liberty, that was really considered more of a D1 AA school, 
uh, a little bit kind of heartbroken on that, so they might have a, a loss hangover there. Very interesting, very interesting. A um, couple more that I might lay a little something on. Um, Texas A&M. I hate betting these big TV games, but I love betting against big-time teams like Clemson. Texas A&M, plus 12.5 at home. Love it. Just a little risky to be one of my official plays, but we'll see what happens. Maybe get on a roll. Might have to take that. Something else I'm looking at, uh, Kentucky Wildcats. I think they just entered the top 25 um, on the low end. They're getting 14 points on the road in the swamp. You know, Florida's pretty nice, but uh, I don't know. It's some just That's a hunch play right there. Kentucky Wildcats plus 14. All right, dude, NFL Week 1 is here. We've been waiting for this shit all summer. Let's do, uh, just to start it off on Week 1, let's do a three-pack. We'll take uh, three best bets each and then do a uh, money line winner, an outright underdog money line winner. Let's do this, man. So who do you like? What, what teams you got? The first game I'm looking at kind of makes me worry because it's a little bit of a public dog, but I like the Niners. I like San Francisco plus 6.5 in Minnesota. It's a 1 p.m. game Sunday. This game opened at 4.5. It's been bent up all the way to 6.5. Uh, according to Covers.com, 31% of the money going on San Fran. So I do like the contrarian play there going against 69% of the public. I just think uh, Jimmy G continues his winning ways, coming off of five straight wins dating back to last year. I really like Marquise Goodwin. I think he's a player who's really going to come on the scene this year and be very effective. And the Vikings offensive line is pretty banged up right now, and Kirk Cousins' first game under the helm. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked that game initially, but the injury to McKinnon uh, definitely kind of uh, pushed me off of that. So I just... Don't know. Minnesota usually has that strong D, and I just feel that there's not going to be much of a running game, so they're going to be kind of one-dimensional. So uh, good luck with that play. I mean, initially I liked it, but when the injury, uh, it, it made me shy away from it. So for me, uh, my first game I'm liking is uh, I'm going to go with Kansas City, uh, getting uh, three and a half points against the Chargers. Uh, I think Kansas City, Andy Reid, uh, divisional game to get three and a half points to open the season uh, might be too much. Personally, I think uh, the Chargers, for whatever reason, the injury bug just always hits them and it always hits them early. So I just think um, with all those injuries to their team, uh, might be a little too much for them to overcome. So I'm, I'm liking Kansas City uh, to start the season off. No doubt, no doubt. Um, I'm really high on the Chiefs this year. I think Patrick Mahomes is really going to uh, show people why they you know, moved up in the draft to get him a couple years back. And, uh, yeah, just probably going to be one of the most explosive teams in the entire NFL on the offensive side of the ball. So I really like that play. I like that play. Um, the next game I'm looking at is probably going to sound crazy. Uh, it, again, it's uh, somewhat of a public dog. I, I don't understand why there's so much public money on this play, but... I do like the Chicago Bears. I think it's up to uh, plus eight right now in Green Bay. Uh, 64% of the money is going towards the Bears, 36% on the Packers. Over on Action Network, 46% of the tickets written, but 68% of the money. That's a 22% differential, and right there that tells me that this might be a pro side. A lot of big bets on Chicago. The Bears did add Khalil Mack to the roster this week to an already good defense. He might not be able to play that much because he's still learning the schemes, but his presence will help. I do like that energy boost for the Bears, plus eight, 
plus 290 on the money line. I don't know about that, though. Yeah. No, I I, I love that play, Chris. Um, defense is a little bit different than offense. Khalil Mack doesn't need really the playbook to learn how to play defense, you know. Uh, and he's so much uh, a great talent that, you know, you just pretty much let him free roam. Yeah, you got Aaron Rodgers. You can never doubt him on a game, but... You know, I, I feel like he really doesn't have any talent around him anymore. Uh, lost uh, JJ uh, Jordy Nelson. You know, Randall Cobb hasn't really been the same. Well, he's he's back from injury. Devonte Adams had a monster year last year, and Randall Cobb is healthy. But yeah, but yeah. like I said, you know, um, I mean, Randall Cobb is injury prone, and he hasn't been what he was a couple of years back. No Jordy Nelson. Uh, I mean, that running game. I know they're putting receivers at running back, so. I agree, man. You know, getting eight points or even if it's seven and a half, I, I think that's a good play. My second game, I'm liking uh, New Orleans uh, giving nine and a half points against Tampa Bay. Uh, I know it's a lot. It opened up at seven, so uh, but I, I kind of like them from the get-go. There is no uh, Jameis Winston, so I just feel that, you know, New Orleans has so much offensive power um, that they're just going to be able to put points up and, Tampa Bay is just kind of a team that's trying to find themselves and, you know, live up to the hype that they should have had. So um, I'm going to give up the points and uh, take New Orleans on this one. Yeah, I like that play, dude. Tampa Bay is definitely a fucking dumpster fire right now. All right, my last game here, uh, NFL Week 1 Best Bets. Uh, this game makes me think of an old betting saying. People say, don't bet teams, bet numbers. So in this game, the Bengals opened up at one. They've been shot up all the way to three. I've been looking at this game all summer long. This is probably my strongest play of the week. I love the Cincinnati Bengals plus three on the road in Indy going up against a rookie head coach, Matt Patricia, plus 125 on the money line. Covers.com, there's 84% of the money going on the Bengals. So I don't like when the public is on the dog side, but I I really like this play. Because over at Action Network, 67% of the tickets are going Cincinnati's way. But 81% of the money is coming in. So that's another red flag right there. A lot of big money tickets coming in on the Bengals. Andrew Luck's first game back could be a little rusty. And the Bengals have looked pretty solid throughout the preseason, man. I know preseason doesn't mean much, but they've been one of the most impressive teams in the NFL. So I think uh, Andrew Luck being out for like a year and a half, you know, first game back, uh, you know, that's a lot to ask for. So, uh, no, I, I can see uh, that being a good play for you. All right, so uh, what's your last play? For mine, I, I mean, I know you and I were talking about it. Atlanta initially opened up at four and a half points. Uh, now it's dropped down to pretty much a pick em. It's crazy. It's crazy. That line has just been getting pounded all summer long. Yeah, and I think that was mainly more because of the unknown factor who's starting. So I'm actually jumping ship on that. And uh, I think you might think I'm crazy. Um, I'm going to take the Jets getting six and a half Monday night against Detroit. So I know everyone's calling the Jets probably one of the worst teams in the league, but... Uh, you know, Sam Darnold, you know, it's his first start. We'll see what he can do. Uh, I just think the fact that, uh, no one's expecting much out of them. And I think Sam Darnold wants to probably prove that, you know, he is the best player of that draft and that he should have probably been taken number one and that the Jets have, uh, their next quarterback for the next 15 years. So I like, uh, the New York Jets getting six and a half against Detroit on Monday Night Football. No, dude, I don't think you're crazy at all. I think you're a genius. Um, I hope that's a good thing. (laughs) 
maybe that's a bad sign. That moves on to our uh, our next segment. I freaking love the Jets. I'm going to pick the Jets as my uh, money line outright dog winner this week. I like the Jets. They're uh, getting plus 235 on the comeback. Nice little sexy play there uh, for something I think could happen. So uh, anything that you're looking at for a money line dog play here week one? Yeah, I think uh, the money line, um, money line dog that I'm going to play, uh, I'm going to go with Navy. Uh, getting seven points against Memphis. Uh, actually, Navy was on the opposite side of my outright dog winner last week against Hawaii. Uh, but I think this week uh, they're at home playing Memphis. Uh, they are getting seven. It started up at four. Uh, but I just think Navy's just going to be able to probably just uh, pound that rock and uh, potentially take that uh, game to a winner. So, All right, right on. All right, guys, I think that's it for NFL Week 1, College Week 2, our official best bets and a couple uh, money line plays. Hopefully we can uh, win you guys some money, not lose too much here along the way. It's been real fun uh, on the Wager Pager podcast here. I want to thank my partner in picking games here, former Marist College defensive back Jim Dice Rulin. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. It's always a pleasure to join uh, you on the Wager Pager, uh, picking teams, picking locks, winning money, and just having fun along the way. So uh, let's uh, let's crush week two and uh, create that bankroll. All right, guys, so that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Good luck, happy handicapping, and may the gambling gods look gracefully down upon you. <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and now we're on Stitcher. And don't forget to leave us a review. We love to hear what you guys think, so please keep them coming. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wager Pager for all the latest and any additional added wagers. Also, if you or a loved one has a gambling addiction, don't be scared to seek help. You can contact the National Council on Problem Gambling at 1-800-522-4700. They're open 24 hours a day, and all calls and texts are confidential. Get pumped, get psyched. It's the Wager Pager Podcast. Bye, guys. Later. Here we go. Major podcast is co-hosted and co-produced by Chris Rogers and Mercedes Barba. Edited by Mercedes Barba. Created by Chris Rogers. Additional analysis provided by Jim Rulin. Music by The Morose Project, produced and written at San Francisco Music Studios. Logo designed by John Carbonella. Here we go.